Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Research and Pharmacy Practice. My name is Vicki Basiliga, and in today's episode, we'll be chatting with Tyler Best and Matt Kelb about their ASHP Best Practices award-winning program at Duke University. Those of you unfamiliar with the ASHP Best Practices, this award recognizes outstanding practitioners in pharmacy who have successfully implemented innovative systems that demonstrate best practices in pharmacy. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. So let's start with a brief introduction. Can you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves, your team, and your practice location? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. It's a great opportunity to be here with you today. My name is Tyler Vest. I'm one of our Associate Chief Pharmacy Officers here with primary responsibility over our operations at our main Duke University Hospital, and then also some responsibilities of automation across our system. So our system, Duke University Health System, was founded in 1930. We have a little over 23,000 employees. We're a not-for-profit health system with about 1,500 inpatient beds across the system that exist of three hospitals. So we have our main university hospital and then two smaller community hospitals home care and hospice, and then many ambulatory clinical locations. Our main site has a level one trauma center, NCI designated cancer center, and many other robust services that you would expect to see at an academic medical center. Our pharmacy department is over 500 FTEs, about 270 pharmacists, almost 250 techs, and 21 pharmacy residents. We have over 25 pharmacy locations across our acute and ambulatory care. And so, you know, really the purpose of our program was when we look at the number of technician positions that are available with the forecast of growth, we really felt that, you know, we needed to do more than just recruitment. And so we, you know, desired to achieve a pharmacy technician training program. We thought that's a viable solution. And as many documents and literature has stated that really uniform education is still needed. And so that influenced all of our program to start in 2018. And our program is offered three times a year, and we have about three cohorts. And I think that we've seen a lot of success is that being able to produce a source of pharmacy technicians across our system. And we're looking forward to talking more about that today. So your site was recognized for its expedited pharmacy technician training program. You know, you touched on this a little bit, but why did you establish this program? And what are the different pharmacy technician roles at your institution? Yeah, thanks so much for that question, Vicki. And Tyler, it's nice to spend the afternoon with you talking about our program. My name is Matt Kelm. I've had the good fortune of being at Duke University Hospital and Health System for about 16 years now. I was actually the founder of our program, as Tyler mentioned, back in 2018. And our impetus for starting the program, it was really a strategic investment on our part. We saw the need that we had in the community to have a well-trained team of pharmacy technicians that could support the complex work that we do. And we also were hitting this inflection point in our evolution as an organization where we began to see technicians being deployed in much more advanced, complex, and involved roles. Things in advanced compounding, medication histories were really kind of starting to grow quite a bit. And then strong roles that they play in prior authorization and patient assistance programs all sort of led to this need for pharmacy technicians that were particularly trained for health systems applications. And that was really one of our motivators. Again, organizations like ours are pretty good at teaching people, right? We teach pharmacy students, we teach pharmacy residents. And our thought process is if we had just invest a little bit of that time and energy in our pharmacy technician workforce, it would pay really great dividends for us. And it certainly has. And in terms of program leadership, I had the good fortune of founding the program back in 2018. I led the program for three years as we went through ASHP and ACPE accreditation. And then at the midpoint, we received six-year accreditation. So at midpoint after our three years, and we turned it our mid 
midterm progress report, I handed off leadership to one of our operational managers. Our belief is that this program does really well when it's owned by a leader in our organization who has a large number of pharmacy technicians that work for them. And so that's been a really good organization for us in terms of program leadership. So can you tell me a little bit more about the training program? You know, you talked about how you founded it. I was wondering what your approach was and what resources you utilize. And then if somebody is going to work their way through the program, how long does it usually take? So there's multiple curriculums out there. When you look at the accredited curriculum, there's an entry level and an advanced. The difference is about 200 credit hours between the two. We initially started back in 2018, there was only one curriculum, right? So that was a 600 hour curriculum. Since then, ASHP came out with standards of delineating advanced and entry, and we scaled our program back to the 400 hour curriculum. We found that's really suitable for a number of the roles that we're finding these technicians joining our organization in. In terms of resources, one of the things we did early on was we partnered with a digital content provider. In retrospect, this was a really wise move on our part. One, it accelerated the timeline for us to get our program off the ground. Essentially, two months after signing the contract with the digital content provider, we were able to launch our first cohort. So two months is lightning speed at our organization to stand up a new program. So we were really pleased about that. What I didn't recognize at the time, but certainly appreciate now, was the benefit of having a partner like that to really encapsulate your program. So all of our program data, everything we need from an accreditation standpoint, all lives in this virtual space. And then secondly, it gives some flexibility for our students, right? That they can work on some aspects of their curriculum at the time of day and day of week of their choosing. Our program runs over approximately 11 weeks per cohort, right? So if you think 400 hours, it's about 40 hours worth of content each week with a little flexibility in there for holidays that pop up and things like that. But that's the general structure we use. Yeah. And then I'm also happy to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what is it kind of current enrollment look like? What is time to complete the program? So let's just use an example. So I mentioned that we have three cohorts, you know, January, April, and August, but we'll start a cohort in January. And at that same time in January, we're also marketing and advertising for the April cohort at the same time. And we're having some internal employee informational systems. Why, again, we, you know, have the January cohort ongoing. And then we're looking at those applicants for the internal and external cohorts for that April. In February, that's when we're having the deadline for individuals to apply for that April cohort and conduct interviews and, you know, have candidates and managers notified during the internal process as we do a little bit more work internally to get team members to come join our program. And then February, the program is ongoing. The students are enrolled. March, we have informational sessions. And then in April, that January cohort would end after both the curriculum and the experiential learning. And then in April, we would start another cohort. And then that cycle would likely continue. We have had as few as a couple of technicians go through, but usually we have about four to five that have gone through. And we find that that's pretty sustainable and manageable for what we have with the amount of technicians that continue to go through our program. So that's a little bit about how our current enrollment looks like, our time to complete the program, and how we have things structured in current state. Sounds like you have a very well-oiled machine. You know, thinking about how you guys started this in 2018, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but it being 2023 now has been a while. How have you defined your successes? And then, you know, one of the things we hear about a lot, especially with the importance of pharmacy technicians that we have here, is part of that is career advancement. So do you or do you plan to use this program as a part of a technician career ladder? 
Yeah, all great questions. You know, we've been very fortunate that our program has had quite a bit of success. And so our data does lag a little bit because we like to look at things at more of like a broader lens. And so the data that we're going to share with you today is through April 2022. So kind of looking from April 2018 to April 22, we've had 11 cohorts with about 41 graduates in that time period. And again, as, as Matt did mention, you know, we are accredited at the entry level 400 hours and we did receive full six-year accreditation in our initial review. So we're pretty kind of proud of those accreditation and graduate statistics. Our program has a 93% graduation rate and a higher than the average PTCB pass rate. So again, kind of having success getting people through the program, but also then credentialing themselves on those exams. From a job placement standpoint, 88% of the individuals that have gone through our graduates are employed somewhere in our health system. So lots of individuals not only going through our education, but staying here. And then, you know, that placement of those well-trained pharmacy technicians supports that expanding role of the pharmacist. So free the pharmacist up to do more activities that may be more direct patient care facing. And we do have a model where internal applicants are able to stay in their current role at a reduced capacity and shift time so they can maintain current employment, but then also grow kind of a new skill set. Our experience has kind of offered us that, you know, all students are able to not only meet the expectations and experiential learning, but they enjoy that. And our instructors are evaluated and viewed as favorable. And again, as Matt mentioned, we kind of have that innovative technology that allows for a increased participation in that modified level of employment. I think lastly, what we like to be very proud about and what we think is we're one of the few that have this data is that our program has over 90% retention through inception in those statistics that I mentioned. And that is significantly higher than compared to our overall departmental retention when we look over that same time period. So again, that's just some of the success that we've had that we're very proud of. And in terms of, you know, using this as part of a career ladder, we do have a career ladder at our institution. We haven't quite formalized the tech training program into that ladder. I mean, we've been doing some work to get to that point. We do have, in terms of our experience to join our organization, there is different educational requirements. And one of those is completion of a pharmacy technician training program, but still probably more to come in terms of that subject. I like that you kind of talked about the flexibility you have, people still being able to work and take the course. What were some of the lessons that you guys have learned along the way when developing the program? What was the easiest part? It sounds like implementing a platform made things a little bit easier for you. But as we always implement new things, especially when it comes to teaching, there are definitely things that were hard and things that surprised you. So can you just tell me, you know, your easiest part, what the hardest part of implementing this program was and what surprised you the most? Yeah, thanks for that question, Vicki. We've learned a lot of lessons along the way. I can tell you early on when we started to have internal applicants, right? So someone who was a member of our organization, but in a different job code that was looking at pharmacy technician as kind of a professionalization. I learned pretty quickly, I have to give more lead time to their home department if they're going to be participating in our program. It was one of those things where we were enrolling pretty quickly and we needed uh, sufficient notice to other departments that their employee was going to be participating in our program. You touched on the easy part, right? That integrating with a digital content content provider was really pretty simple for us. We found a really good partner and gave us a lot of the backbone that we needed to get the program up and running quickly. Some of the hardest parts for us were obviously COVID, right? As we all had to navigate just the environment in general, but then also the role of learners in the environment. We did end up taking one of our cohorts during that time and delaying it. So I think it was a January cohort that we delayed their enrollment until April when we had a little bit better handle on things and the role in our environment. But that was really the only one. 
So to only have delayed one cohort out of everything the last couple of years, we were pretty pleased with that. And it took obviously a lot of coordination. And when you think about an organization like ours, you've got residents, you've got students, and then you have this other group of learners that are now part of the equation. So balancing that across the pharmacies, especially during their experiential time, trying to make sure we don't overwhelm any one area, but with pretty manageable numbers, that's worked well for us. Surprising, I think just the continued need and vital role that pharmacy technicians provide in our organization. We're not immune to the challenges of the last couple of years around a technician workforce that meets the needs of our organization. And so while our program hasn't fully closed the gap and provided every technician that we need in our organization, certainly has created a lot of really good ones. And as Tyler alluded to earlier, we're finding that they're staying with our organization for the long term, and that's a great place to be. So we're very happy about that. So what advice do you have for hospitals and health systems who would seek to replicate this training model for their staff? Yeah, great question. You know, I'll certainly take my best shot at this. Matt's an expert at giving advice on setting up programs. So I look forward to hearing what he has to say. But I think, you know, some of the things that I think about is, you know, we all have to start somewhere. This is a major workforce challenge across the country. And having a reliability and trained source of pharmacy technicians is critical to ensuring that we're able to deliver the services that we provide on a daily basis. So I think really just focusing on, you know, hey, I need to start somewhere if I'm thinking about this and getting it going. You know, you don't have to have five or six technicians go through every cohort, right? Maybe it's just one or two. Maybe that's what meets the demands. Maybe you're thinking about having more of a system structure and, you know, where can you leverage your system to get pharmacy technicians trained? I think also we've found a lot of success of partnering with others in our institution. So that's not only internal, but external. You know, we have a lot of different individuals who work in human resources, communications that really help us with that lift of getting everyone onboarded, getting the word out there. We've recently been working a lot with talent acquisition here in our organization to get out in the community and make sure people are aware that we have this program. But then also, so lots of key internal pharmacy leaders as we offer rotations in their areas as part of the tech training program. So really, you know, we couldn't be successful without our entire pharmacy leadership team. And, you know, I think that there's so many models out there at this point for pharmacy technician training programs. So I think that if you're looking to start one, maybe kind of get out there, find, hey, who has a program that might look like what I'm trying to do? And let me try to talk to them and let me try and figure those up. But I think at the end of the day, I could sum my advice up, but this is definitely something that takes a village. You need to get you know, a team. And I think having dedicated point people, a director, maybe a technician lead that's supporting them, we found that that's been really successful. But Matt, I'm sure that you've got much more points of advice that would be great and perspectives that you want to share as well. Yeah, thanks for that, Tyler. I jokingly refer to myself as an evangelist of health systems starting their pharmacy technician training programs. We've had the good fortune of sharing this information with a lot of other health systems. I've probably talked to several dozen over the course of our time with it since we instituted it. Another thing I would offer that Tyler didn't include was your local workforce development boards, right? So most states have some kind of organization that can be helpful and supportive. In North Carolina, we have a group called NC Works. They can both help screen applicants who might be well-suited for pharmacy technician work and refer them to us. At times, they have grant funding that can cover the cost of tuition. So really partnering with your workforce development boards, I think, is another avenue to source candidates for your program. Tyler was right on around HR being one of our great partners in this endeavor. I'm fortunate that we've had um, really good partners throughout, and they can help with a lot of the logistics and organizational outreach as well. 
And then lastly, you don't have to do this all on your own, right? That ASHP puts out a great model curriculum. There are multiple different vendors in this space that can provide you the didactic content, some simulation work, and really a platform to track all the aspects of your program. And then lastly, I'll put in a plug for the Pharmacy Technician Accreditation Council, the PTAC. I have the good fortune of serving on it. This is actually my last year of being a site accreditor. And so that's a really rich resource that ASHP provides as well. Really great group, always looking to help grow programs, develop programs. And as you think about accrediting your program, they're a wonderful resource for you to use. Well, Matt and Tara, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank you for joining ASHP to discuss your expedited pharmacy technician training program. For our listeners, if you haven't before, I encourage you to check out all of the ASHP and the ASHP Foundation's research resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings, such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, and exchange ideas with your peers on the ASHP Education Connect community. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to the AHHP official podcast for more great content from ASHP. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.